And that's so true, isn't it? Amen. Take your Bible and be finding Philippians chapter 4, the book of Philippians chapter 4. As you know, on Sunday nights, we have been looking at things that often handle us and trying to learn how to handle the things that handle us. And we have looked at the subject of fear. We've looked at loneliness, bitterness, guilt. Tonight, we're going to look at the matter of worry, worrying about things. Several people commented this morning about the white stone, how much they enjoyed the white stone. Somebody asked me what I did with the white stone. I gave it to Steve Fletcher. I told him at the end of the service, I said, Steve, I'm concerned maybe you've never received one, so I'm going to give you mine. So I gave Steve Fletcher my white stone. Would you stand as we honor the reading of his word, Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to notice with me verse 7 and verse 8. Philippians 4, verse 7 and verse 8. Maybe you're worried sick about something. What does the Bible say about worry, anxiety, fretfulness over certain things? Well, let's look at it tonight. Philippians 4, verse 7, the Bible said, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. Let's go back to verse 6. Verse 6, sorry. Philippians 4 and verse 6, the Bible said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The Bible said, Be careful for nothing. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And then tonight, for just a little while, we'll think about this matter of worrying, of worry, about being worried sick. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for the joy that it has been these many years now to know you, and for these many years to follow you and to serve you, I do thank you, Lord, for the peace of God that passeth all understanding. And I thank you, Lord, for the peace that you give to us and the peace you can give to us in the darkest times of life. Father, tonight I pray that you'd help us. So many times we tend to worry. So many times, Lord, anxiety and fretfulness fills our hearts. Help us to see what you say about it and help us, Lord, how to learn how to handle worry in our life. So we thank you now for your word, for what we have just read. Now bring it to our understanding and we'll thank you and praise you for it. For it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things, amen. When I think about being worried about something, I think about a story I read one time. This supposedly is a true story. I don't know if it is or not, but I, it supposedly is. It's about the wife of a federal district court judge. And she's at a clearance sale, and she found what she thought was the perfect green tie to match one of her husband's sport coats. Well, a little bit later, a few weeks, a couple of months later, they, the couple was relaxing at a resort to get this judge's mind off a complicated cocaine conspiracy case. He was wearing the tie that his wife had bought him, and he happened to notice a small, round disc that was sewn in his tie. 
Now, he thought it was somewhat suspicious, so he called the local FBI, who was equally suspicious that it might be a bug that was planted by the conspiracy defendants. So the agent sent it to the device of the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., to analyze it, see what it was. Well, a few days later, the judge phoned Washington to find out the results of the test, and this is what he was told. We're not sure where the disc came from, but we have discovered that when you press it, it plays jingle bells. Well, may I say tonight that sometimes we find ourselves worrying about things that we really need not worry about. It was Mark Twain that said, I am an old man and have known many troubles, but most of them never happen. There have been repeated studies that show that many times the things that we worry about are not legitimate reasons to worry. Margaret, B. Margaret P. McCordy of the University of Wisconsin in a study found that 40% of the things that we worry about never happen. 30% of the things that we worry about is about things, over, that things that are over and past that could not be changed by all the worry in the world. She found that 10% of our worries are petty worries and that 12% are needless health worries. And in her opinion, only 8% of our worries are real legitimate worries. I found another study that was done by the University of Michigan, and they found somewhat similar results. They found that 60% 60 of our worries are unwarranted. 20% 20% are already become past activities and are completely out of our control. 10% of the things that we worry about are so petty that they don't make any difference at all. And they found in their study that of the remaining 10%, only 4 to 5% of the things that we worry about are real and justifiable. And of the remaining 5%, you can't do anything about half of them. So what they discovered was that only 2% of the things that we worry about are real. And that 98% of the things that we worry about is a complete waste of our time and is a fruitless effort in our life. But I think about how that in spite of the fact that only 2% of the things that we worry about We are a generation that spends most of our time living on Fretful Avenue and an anxiety boulevard. We get so wrapped up in so many things and so concerned about this and so concerned about that that we worry about this and we fret about that. One of my favorite Bible scholars is a fellow by the name of Trench, Archbishop Trench. But there was a time in his life, as great as a Bible scholar as he was, that he became so possessed with the fear that the limbs of his body were going to lose all their filling. For some reason, he thought, I am going to be paralyzed. My arms are going to lose their filling. My legs are going to lose their filling. He became possessed with the thought that he was going to lose filling in his limbs. And he worried about it all the time, day and night, day and night. He worried about losing filling in his legs. Well, one night he was sitting at an elaborate state dinner, And all of a sudden, he blurted out, Oh, my Lord, it has finally happened. It has finally happened. I haven't got a bit of feeling in my right leg. Well, there was a lady that was sitting next to him, said, looked at him and said, Sir, if it be of any comfort to you, it's my leg that you're pinching. Well, I think about our worries. We worry about this and we worry about that. Thoreau asked the question in Brute Neighbors, Why will men worry themselves so? 
And someone said that worry is the interest that you pay on trouble before it ever comes. Corey Ten Boom said, when we worry, we are carrying today or carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, and what we actually end up doing is carrying two days in one. Another has said, worrying people are like tightrope walkers going over a rope from the past to the future. And they balance between hope and fear. In one hand, they carry a sack with the undigested past, and in the other hand, a sack with the anticipated future. But I want us to learn tonight how to handle worry in our life. Instead of letting worry handle us, how do we handle worry? I want you to look at the Scripture tonight. And I point out three things from our text, and I'll have you turn in a moment to Matthew 6 to enforce a statement in Philippians 4. But I want you to think with me tonight about these three things. First is this. I think about a life disturbed by worry. A life disturbed by worry. Now, when I talk about worrying about things, what am I actually meaning? When we use the word worry or talk about worry, what are we talking about? Well, for example, the Greeks thought of worry as something that tears a man in two and drags him in opposite directions. When the Greeks would talk about being worried, they were describing something pulling a person apart, something pulling him in two different directions. The Latin word for worry suggests a turbulent force that is responsible for turmoil on the inside. Like an angry storm out at sea, whipping up the waves and whipping up the waves with the wind. Worry to the Latins was this turbulent force causing this turmoil within. The Anglo-Saxon word is descriptive of a power gripping a man by the throat, such as a wolf seizing a sheep and strangling all the vitality and life out of that. We often use the word anxiety to speak of worry, and it comes from the same root word as anger, and it suggests the ideal of choking. You see, when we talk about somebody worrying about something and talk about worry, we're talking about being torn in two different directions. All of these things pressing in on us and pulling at us, and it leaves this turmoil, this inner turmoil within that chokes and strangles, strangles life of its vitality. That's what we're talking about, worried about something, being pulled apart by something, something, this, this turmoil of the inside, this anxiety about things that are going on. Well, you notice in Philippians 4, verse 6, notice what the Bible said. Paul begins this great statement, this great verse by said in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. Underscore that statement. Underscore those words. Be careful for nothing. You see the word careful there? It is the word that means to be anxious. We would translate that, worry, that statement there, don't worry about anything. And the tense of the words is that this is more than a suggestion. This is a command that is being given to us. This is what Paul is saying. Do not worry. It is a command that is being passed down. And the force of the words is that we're to stop worrying and we're not to worry about one single thing in our life. Now, you say that's tough, but yet it's possible. I want you to listen to what William G. Channon said. When we talk about worrying and the command not to worry, to stop worrying and not let one single thing cause you to worry, I want you to listen to what William G. Channon said in one of his books. He said, worry is entirely unscriptural. 
As Christians, we have taken the precepts of the Scripture for our standard of living. We look upon the Bible as our final court of appeals in all of life's details. And who can deny within its pages that no warrant is found for worry? I agree with that. Because the Bible, instead of encouraging or permitting worry in our life, it always condemns worry. Worry in any fashion or form. In fact, just as we see right here, Paul is saying, be careful for nothing. I command you to stop worrying about anything and don't, let you, and don't worry about one single thing in your life. There's this light that is disturbed by worry. Herbert Lockyer said that when a Christian worries, he's living in the wrong climate. For listen to this statement, for any kind of worry is foreign to his life in Christ. The great British writer would tell me that worry is foreign to what I am in Christ. That if I am worrying about things, I am living in a climate that I need not live in as a believer. O.S. Hawkins in one of his books said, many of us assume that God merely looks upon worry with a frown, but the fact is he strictly forbids it in his word. Listen to what Charles G. Trumbull said and told about someone really getting down to the nitty-gritty about it. He went as far as to say that worry is sin, a black, murderous, God-defying, Christ-rejecting sin. Worry about anything at any time, whatever. We will never know victory over worry and anxiety until we treat it such as sin, for such as it is. It is a deep-seated distrust of the Father who assures us again and again that even the falling sparrow is in his tender care. Now, worry is without warning in the Bible. Worry is a Christian living in the wrong climate. It is forbidden by God. It is frowned on by God. And it is a sin that must be faced and forgiven in our life. So understanding this command, don't worry about anything. I want you to look in Matthew 6 and what he has to say about worry. To back up that statement and to enforce the command, don't worry about anything. Don't be careful for nothing. Look at what Jesus had to say about worry. Paul says, I forbid you to worry. I command you not to worry. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus said about worrying. We've looked at this passage before, but look at it again. And I point out three things that Jesus teaches us about worry. The first one is this. Jesus taught us in Matthew 6 that worry is needless. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us that worry is needless. For example, in verses 25 through 33, Jesus talked about the things that we often worry about the most. He talked about food. He talked about fashion. He talked about fitness. He talked about finances. And he talked about the future. Now, concerning all these things, notice what he said in verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Notice that statement there. I, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. That thought, those words, take no thought, mean do not be anxious. Do not worry. In other words, what Jesus said in verse 25, he's telling me that I am not to worry about these things in my life. I am not to worry about what I eat. I am not to worry about what I drink. I am not to worry about what I wear. He talks about there's more things important than that. And he's telling me that these things, that I am not to worry about them. And then he goes on to give us some lessons from nature to remind us that worry is needless. For example, in verse 26, he spoke of the fowl of the air. He said in verse 26, behold the fowls of the air. 
they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Jesus pointed up to the little birds flying through the sky, and he said to them, he said, those little, he said to the disciples, he said, those little birds don't worry about what they eat. They don't worry about life. He said, they have a heavenly Father that takes care of them. And then he looked at the disciples and said, now, are you not more important to God than those little birds? Are you not more important to the heavenly Father than the birds that fly through the sky? Then why do you worry? Those little birds don't worry about where things are coming from. Why should you worry? They have a heavenly Father that takes care of it. You have a heavenly Father that takes care of it. Therefore, he said to them, it's needless to worry. Not only did he talk about the fowls of the air, but look in verse 28. He spoke about the flowers in the field. He said in verse 28, and why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Jesus gave a second illustration, and he used the little lilies out in the field. And he said to the disciples, you look at those flowers over in the field. And the lilies that he was talking about was a little flower that came up for three or four days and then died. It was a wild flower. But Jesus said, do you see those little flowers? They're not worrying. They're not filled with anxiety and worry about their growth. But he said, you look at them in all their glory. Solomon in all of his wealth was not arrayed like they are. And he said in verse 30, wherefore? If God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Jesus said to them, in essence, if God takes care of the birds in the sky and he takes care of the flowers in the field, then will he not take care of you? And will he not clothe you? What our Lord is driving home, the point that our Lord is driving home is that it's needless for us to worry. Now, all the things we worry about, we worry about food, we worry about fashion, we worry about fitness, we worry about finances, we worry about the future. All of that is in the hands of God. Amen? If you trust God, he promised, he said, if you put him first, he'll take care of all these things in your life. It's needless to worry about them. Well, look at the second thing he says about worry. Not only is it needless, but look in verse 30, he tells me that worry is faithless. He said, I should not worry. I, why should I worry? The Father's taking care of me. But look what he said in verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Now notice, O ye of little faith. You know what our Lord was saying in that one statement there? He was saying that my worry is a lack of faith. When we worry, we're showing that we're not trusting God. When we worry, we're saying to ourselves, and one says, I don't have a heavenly father to take care of me. We're acting like a practical atheist. We're acting like we believe in God, but we're acting like there is no God. He's telling me, he's already told me that God will take care of the needs of my life, no matter what those needs are. It's needless, therefore, for me to worry. And if I do worry, it is a lack of my faith. It is showing that I am not trusting God. It is showing that I am not believing God. It is showing that I'm not relying on the Lord. You've heard the little poem, said the robin to the sparrow. I should really like to know why those anxious human beings rush around and work things. It is showing that I am not putting my faith in God's care. Amen? Amen. The third thing about it, look at this. He tells me my worry is needless. 
And he tells me, secondly, my worry is faithless. But look in verse 27. He tells me that my worry is useless. Notice what he said in verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, that is, by being anxious or worrying about things, can add one cubit unto his stature? Now, Jesus said to them, now, wait a minute. How many of you have ever worried, and in your worrying, you ever grew one inch in your life or grew one cubit? How many of you ever got taller because you worried? Has worry ever added an inch to your height? What he was saying to them is that worry never produces anything. Worry never produces a calm heart. It always produces a troubled heart. Worry never dries a tear. Worry never lifts a burden. Worry never makes a bad thing a good thing. He's telling me that worry is needless and that my worry is faithless, and even that, it is useless. It don't accomplish one thing in our life. Like someone has said, the worry is like rocking in a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. An Italian proverb says a hundred hours of worry will not pay a farthing worth of debt. Worry doesn't help. It only hurts. Worry doesn't eliminate our problems. It only enlarges our problems. Worry is needless. Worry is faithless. And worry is useless. That's why Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. It is a life disturbed by worry. Are you still with me now? Say amen. But here's the question. How do we handle worry? Look at the second thing. You see a life delivered from worry. Here's a life disturbed by worry, fretting about this, but here's a life that is delivered from worry. How do we handle worry in our life? We're first told not to worry in Philippians chapter 4, and then we're told how not to worry. But look at verse 6 again. He said, be careful for nothing. Literally, don't you worry about one thing. Stop worrying about what you're worrying about and don't worry about one thing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In that verse, we're given two specific steps to take to handle worry in our life. Write them down. Number one, we're to turn to God with our worries. He says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. If I can put it this way, he said, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. He said, don't worry about things. Stop worrying about things. Don't worry about one thing in your life, but pray about everything. In other words, what he's telling me to do is to turn to the Lord with my worries. Whatever it is that's filling my life with worry, whatever it is that's filling me with anxiety, I am to turn to the Lord. I remember reading about Sir Walter Scott. And Sir Walter Scott, during the closing years of his life, was settled with a debt of over 120,000 pounds. In time, he heroically disposed of that debt, but it literally cost him his life. He literally worried himself into the grave. His doctor said to him one day, Sir Walter, if you don't cease worrying, you're going to die. And he looked up with a sad smile at his doctor, and he said, Doctor, as long as that debt is hanging over my head, I cannot help but worry. I know the worrying is killing me, but you might as well go and tell my cook to order the water in the kettle not to boil as to command my brain not to worry. As much as I respect Sir Walter Scott and historian history, I would have to say this. He never learned that you don't have to carry your worries. 
You do not have to carry the load yourself, but you turn to the Lord. He said, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. We are to turn to the Lord first of all, and second of all, we are to talk to God about our worries. We are to turn to God with our worries. We are to talk to God about our worries. He said, let your request be made known unto God. We're not only to turn to Him with the things that are worrying us, we are to talk to Him about the things that are worrying us. Is there something that's pulling you into? Is there something that is filling you on the inside with this inner turmoil? Something that is just like two horses pulling you in different directions, like a storm churning down in your soul. What do you do? What do you do about it? You go to God. And you come to God with whatever's causing that turmoil in your heart. Whatever it is is pulling you into, go to God with that matter and talk to God about that matter. Tell God what it is. Tell him, this is, Lord, this is bothering me. Lord, this is tearing me into. Lord, this is ripping me into. Tell God what it is. I remember reading about the celebrated Austrian composer Franz Joseph Haydn. And on one occasion, he was in the company of several distinguished guests. And in the course of their conversation, they began to talk about the best means of restoring mental energies when exhausted from long and difficult studies. What do you do? What do you do? And so they all began to share what they did. And one person said that his recourse was to drink a bottle of wine. Another remarked that his solution was just to get with some good friends and enjoy the evening. And when Haydn was asked what he did, he said that his practice was to retire to his study and to engage in prayer. Haydn learned something that many of us need to learn, that when we need our mental energies restored and when we find ourselves depleted of physical, mental, and spiritual strength and we find ourselves being harassed by the things around us, the thing to do is to go to God and talk to God about those things. You got something worrying you tonight? Instead of letting that worry tear you into, turn to the Lord, talk to the Lord about those things. Take it to the Lord and tell it to Jesus. Amen? Amen. I have found this to be true in my life. You listen to me carefully. I'm talking about me now. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. But I have found this to be true. If I find myself worried about something, it is a good indication I have not been praying about the matter. If I find myself distressed about a situation, that is usually a thermometer that tells me, Trevor, you haven't been taking that matter to God. You haven't been leaving that in God's hands. You haven't been putting that in God's hands. Usually our worry and the anxiety fills our heart is but a revealing of the fact that we haven't been turning to God and we haven't been talking to God. Joseph Scriven said, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. How do you handle prayer? How is life delivered from worry? By taking it to the Lord and talking to the Lord. Amen? Look at the third thing here. That's not all that he has to say. He not only talks about a life that is disturbed by worry. Don't you worry, he says. Stop your worry. And he said, instead of worrying about anything, pray about everything. He describes a life delivered. But look at this. He describes in verse 7 a life defended from worry. He not only tells me to stop worrying, and he not only tells me how to keep from worrying, 
but he also tells me how to keep from worrying in the future. Look what he said in verse 7. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know what he tells me? Instead of my heart being filled with anxiety, instead of my soul being a raging sea, a, a sea that has been whipped up by the winds and waves of life, he said there can be a calm in my heart. There can be a peace that passeth all understanding. He tells me these two things. One, God's peace will gladden my heart. Instead of, when, when our hearts are filled with God's peace, instead of a perplexed heart, there is a peaceful heart. Instead of worry, there is worship. Instead of a troubled heart, there is a trusting heart. Instead of a grieved heart, there is a gladdened heart. Instead of a storm, there is a calm. He said, I'll give you peace that passeth all understanding. But not only does he say that it will gladden my heart, but look at this. He said it will guard my heart. Look at the words there, shall keep. Those two words, shall keep, are a military term. And they, what it really means is they shall mount guard. The peace of God shall mount guard over the heart and the mind of the believer. In other words, he's saying that if we'll, if we'll quit worrying about things and we'll come to God and we'll talk to God about these things, he said, I'll give you peace. And my peace will act like a sentinel that will mount guard and patrol your heart and mind to keep anything from worrying us. Now, listen to me tonight. This is not just fairy tales in the Bible. This is truth. Are you listening to me? And God tells me that it's wrong for me to worry, that it is a sin for me to worry, that I am disobeying the command of God when I worry about things. Therefore, I am to come to God, tell Him about what's worrying me. And if I will worry about nothing, pray about everything, then he tells me my peace will be like soldiers to guard your heart and they'll keep unrest and, and this turmoil out of your heart. Now, that's what he's saying. How do you keep from worrying? It's let God give you a peace that passes understanding. Why is it that somebody can be walking right through the middle of hell but the acre and going through a dark storm in their life, but yet they're victorious? There is a peace in their heart. It's a peace that is beyond our comprehension, but it's like a soldier that God gives to guard our hearts. I remember reading one of Stephen Olford's book. He told about a submarine several years ago that was being tested, and it had to remain submerged for days upon time, upon Days. And when he returned to the harbor, the captain was asked, well, and they were asking how the, how the submarine had reacted to this and how it reacted to this and how they reacted to this. And they pointed to a certain day and they said, how did, that how did it react to the storm that you went through? And the captain looked at him and said, storm, I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't go through a storm. We were not even aware there was a storm. And what it was... The sub had been so far beneath the surface that it had reached an area known to sailors as the cushion of the sea. On top, the ocean was being whipped into huge waves by high winds, but down there in that cushion, you would call it, in those waters below, there was no disturbance whatsoever. I believe that God's peace acts like a cushion from the stormy seas of life and the things that worry us. 
when we find ourselves filled with worry and we're wearing ourselves sick, then remember what God says in His Word. Don't worry. Pray about everything, and I will give you a peace that goes beyond your comprehension. I will give you a peace that will leave your heart calm. That's how you overcome worry. Amen? Amen. Let's stand our feet, please. Thank you for listening.